Nashville, Atlantic City, 97.3 ESPN. This is the Sports Bash with Mike Gill on 97.3 ESPN. Now, live inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, here's Mike Gill. All right, Sports Bash Live, 97.3 ESPN. It is a happy hour Friday edition of the show. What's going on, everybody? I tell you what, this Eagles thing is uh, really intriguing considering some names are coming off the board. So we will get into it coming up right now. Sal Pal Antonio, a Sal Pal Friday. Thanks to our friends Johnny G and the crew at Burger. They do a great job. And, of course, they bring you Sal Pal with us right here through this all season on 97.3 ESPN on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. Sal Pal, how are you, my friend? I'm going. I'm doing real good. How's everybody down there at the Jersey Shore? We are hanging in there. I think everybody is wondering what is next for this Philadelphia Eagles football team. As we know, this head coaching search. There's a couple names off the board. I guess Jeffrey Lurie is uh, having a couple interviews as we speak. Yeah, apparently he's interviewing Deuce Staley and Gerard Mayo. Uh, both, you know, interesting. I would call them. B-level candidates, I mean, you know, not in any kind of disrespect. I mean, they're not widespread um, belief that they are head coaching material. At least they haven't had interviews anywhere else. Yeah, Deuce Daly, obviously, uh, assistant head coach here. He's been here for a while. Probably one of the fans' favorites. But how realistic uh, of a option is Deuce? And, and people keep asking me, and, and I don't really know the right answer because he's been in the organization why isn't Deuce taken seriously? Why isn't he, uh, uh, you know, thought to be a really high-level candidate? I would hire Deuce. I would definitely hire Deuce. I would have no hesitations hiring Deuce Daly. I think Deuce Daly is tough with these players, and they need somebody who's tough. They know him well. I think he has credibility in that locker room as well as other locker rooms around the NFL. I think he would be a good overall leader of the team. I would hire Deuce Staley, um, and then I would want to know uh, who's my offensive coordinator because mm-hmm. he's going to need one. I don't want him being the offensive coordinator, the play caller. I want him being the leader of the organization, setting the tone. And I would hire him to do that for sure. I'd rather have him than somebody coming in from the outside. If I know I have a strong offensive coordinator and a strong quarterback's coach who's going to hold these quarterbacks accountable, I'm all for that, and I'm all for hiring Deuce Staley if I know I have a strong defensive coordinator. I don't know who he likes. Maybe he doesn't get to uh, you know, have the final say in that. Maybe that's a Howie Roseman, Jeffrey Lurie deal. It probably is going to be. It sounds like Jeffrey Lurie wants to have major input now in every direction of the team. That's not necessarily a good thing based on what I heard from Jeffrey Lurie earlier in the week. I can tell you that. Hmm. Sal, I mean, outside the organization, you know, there's a lot of names out there. I, I want to ask you about Eric Bieniemy, considering he's an Andy Reid guy, and why, if that makes him more likely just because of that tie. Do they go right back down the Andy Reid road? I would. If you're not going to hire Deuce Daly, you're going to hire somebody outside the organization, Eric Bieniemy would be my number one candidate. Again, we're looking for a CEO type a strong leader who has respect in the locker room and respect in locker rooms around the country. Uh, and uh, he's strongly respected within circles around the league uh, among coaches. 
Uh, and he has the added um, dimension of really, you know, knowing the ins and outs of play calling. He's done a really good job as a play caller. Now he's, he's got Andy Reid on his shoulder mm-hmm. as a mentor day in and day out. And obviously that happens to really help him quite a bit. But be, if, of all the outside candidates, Michael, the enemy would be my number one choice. All right, so that would say over his uh, teammate there, Mike Kafka, Todd Bowles, who you mentioned on our show last week, uh, Lincoln Riley, Brian Dable, who you're going to have to wait on a little bit, Gerard Mayo, who you mentioned, Joe Brady's another interesting young guy. A lot of people, in fact, uh, he's the betting favorite right now. What does that mean to you? If they hire a guy named Brady to replace Doug Peterson, that is a headline writer's dream. <laughs> That's a good point. I never thought of that angle. I mean, come on. <laughs> if you can't beat him, join him. That's the first headline that comes with me. But, I mean, I don't know. Joe Brady's a very young guy with very little experience, hasn't really done much in the league. I mean, he seems like a sharp guy, but... Uh, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for a guy with instant credibility. You know, because Doug Peterson was a great leader of men, and did the best head coaching job in franchise history. Those are big, big shoes to fill, and you got to have some real, you know, tough moxie to do that. And I think <clears throat> Deuce Daly does, the enemy does, Todd Bowles for sure. He would be a good choice. I'm not so sure about um, Brandon Staley, Joe Brady. Some of these guys are really young and really just coordinators, up-and-coming coordinators. It takes a long time. Look, look what's going on in Cincinnati with Zach Taylor. Uh, you know, look what's you know, uh, going on in Green Bay. You know, that was a rocky road there with Aaron Rodgers for a while. And if you don't have Aaron Rodgers, it's not really working out for you. I mean, look what look what happened with. Um, McAdoo in New York, not ready for prime time for sure. So that would eliminate a guy like Kellen Moore, then you would say. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, I was surprised to hear that he was, you know, even getting considered. But uh, Art Smith, uh, yeah, right. Art Smith, I guess they really liked him. They lost out on him. Robert Salah, they missed out on him. Were either one of those two guys, guys that you would have said you like them better than who's left? Well. You, you know, you're going to, all right, well, they, interested, they interviewed Robert Sala right after the Jets did, and yep. Sala chose the Jets. What does that tell you about the Eagles situation? They interviewed Arthur Smith, and Arthur Smith chose the Falcons over the Eagles. What does that tell you? Mm-hmm. It tells you one of two things. Either the Eagles weren't moving fast enough, not interested, or it's not that great of a job. Well, I will counter with this, Sal. The last time they wanted to hire Adam Gase, he went to Miami. They wanted to hire McAdoo. He turned around on the par- turnpike and went to New York, and it was almost like the Eagles got stuck with Peterson and how'd that work out. Yeah, I, I uh, listen, it was a stroke of luck that they, they wound up with Peterson yeah. and not Gase and not McAdoo. Because yeah. Peterson, you know, hey, hey, Mike, I just want to say this. I'm sad to see Peterson go. And, and not because I got along with him and I'm friendly with him. It's hard to find a guy who's going to win you a Super Bowl. And I want to go back to the comment I made about Jeffrey Lurie in that press conference. That press conference 
was something that Lewis Carroll would write. You know, he didn't deserve to be fired, but I fired him anyway. Yeah. Well, I'm late, I'm late, I'm late for a very important date. I mean, come on, (laughs) that was straight out of Alice in Wonderland. Yeah. He doesn't deserve to be fired. But I fired him anyway. Yeah, uh, that 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 whole pre- the whole press conference was the whole thing was mind-boggling. And here's here's the words that I didn't hear. Here are the words I didn't hear. Maybe they are implied, but as the leader of the organization, which is a civic enterprise that everybody's invested in emotionally, financially, and with their time and effort, here are the words I did not hear say him say, and that was. I'm looking for the next head coach who will win me a Super Bowl, who will win this deserving fan base a Super Bowl. I'm looking for a coach who will win a Super Bowl. And of all those guys that are out there right now, I'm asking you, Mike Gill, because I do respect your opinion, or I wouldn't be on your show. Who, what guy do you think can come in here and turn this organization around? Because right now it's dysfunctional, capital functional bad what guy out there right now could turn this team around quickly and win a super bowl of all the guys in house and out yeah uh my favorite guy on this list i think is brian dable and you said something today uh with bart scott that made me think this and you said the starting quarterback is an organizational decision that means the guy who coaches this team has to buy into who the quarterback is Either one of these quarterbacks, he's worked with Jalen Hurts at Alabama, and he has worked with Allen and has to see some Allen in Wentz. So I feel like no matter which quarterback the organization decides on, that guy will say, give them to me, and I'll make it work. Okay. So we haven't talked about it, Brian Dayball. You didn't ask me about him. But I would say of all the guys that are out there, Brian Dayball has definitely been the most successful as an offensive coordinator, but I think Brian Dayball is attracted to the Chargers' job, and they're attracted to him. Mm-hmm. And if I were Brian Dayball, I would take the Chargers' job because you have Justin Herbert. Boom, boom, done. You don't have a quarter. You're not walking into a home cook quarterback controversy or salary cap hell. And um, I, you know, LA is a pretty nice place to live. Oh yeah, there's no. I, I and and you know, I mean, like, not, not notwithstanding the current circumstances, it's usually a pretty nice place to live. Right, exactly. Uh, but you know, you ask which guy to me. That's the guy that I think is the best fit and the best. You know, you know, for what you said, the starting quarterback is an organizational decision. They're going to have to all come together. And what if Eric Bieniemy says, "Well, I'd rather have Jalen Hurts," and then you got the other side saying, "Well, we're going with Carson Wentz." I mean, you don't want well, to get off. Forget it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So if I'm Eric the enemy, first question I ask is what? I ask Jeff Lurie, who's my quarterback? Yep. Because and this is your decision. You paid him. Right. What are you we doing? can't walk into a situation and which is already dysfunctional and stir the pot even more. Oh no, no, definitely not. It has to be decided before the guy's hired. He has to agree. And that's a bad situation to be handed. Yep. You know, I realize there's only thirty two jobs, right? And you'll take the job because it's not easy to find if you've been shut out for a long time like Eric the enemy or Deuce Daly, you're taking a job. You're taking it. I get that. But if you have choices, if you're Brian Dable and you have a choice, you're going to the Chargers. 
The only thing I would say, and and I agree with the current situation, that feels better. But it's like the Philadelphia Eagles for whatever uh, Jeffrey Lurie's tenure, what, 27 years, they have been relevant. They have had success while they are hitting a bump in the road. The Chargers can't say that. The Jets can't say that. The Falcons can't say that. The Eagles can. So in the end, while they don't seem to have stability now over Jeffrey Lurie's tenure, he can at least say, yeah, we're going through a rough patch, but we always seem to get it right. Well, okay, fine. So the last time they were in this predicament, they hired Chip Kelly. Took them three years to get out of it, and they got lucky with Doug Peterson. So I would counter that by saying, you look at this team, they won four games, three against backup quarterbacks, and the other one on the Thursday night when the quarterback fell down and the Pro Bowl tight end dropped the pass that would have sealed the victory. So they got they got four wins and an asterisk as far as I'm concerned. So yeah. uh, I'm looking at this team and the age of the roster and the quarterback controversy and the salary cap predicament and the fact that they have no head coach, no offensive identity, no defensive coordinator. If they and who does who they have to play next year, Mike. Those South Pal Fridays might not be too fun on Fridays next year. Mike, I don't know, Mike. Yeah. I just don't know. Uh, where are you going to be this weekend? Are, are you watching I from am, home? I am flying to New Orleans. Oh, look at that. You got the big prime time game. They put Sal Powell on the big one looking for another Bart Scott moment, I feel. Uh, listen, I've been at the, I'm always at the number one game. You know why? Because that's the game I'm at. <laughs> <laughs> Sunday night right here on 97.3 ESPN. We'll have that game for you. Uh, it should be a fun divisional round. That's going to be a fun one. All the games, very intriguing. And, of course, this Eagles situation Sal Pal Fridays will continue through the offseason thanks to our guy Johnny G and Berger and the great people over there that have brought you Sal Pal Antonio here on this Friday. Thank you to Johnny G and the Grinder team at Berger Realty in Ocean City. I can't wait to go to OC in the spring or summer and uh, go to Uncle Bill's Pancakes and we'll do it up. I got a question, though, about the Bucks Saints before I get off the phone. You know, that line keeps going down. I saw it open open ten. I think it's nine and a half. Oh no 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 no! It's down to two. Oh no 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 no! I'm sorry. You said the Bucks. Yeah yeah. Sorry. Bucks Saints. Bucks Saints. Well, the last time they played, the Saints beat them thirty eight to three. They've been out. They outscored the Bucks this year by forty six points, and the line is less than. Three, Mike. Why recency bias, right? AC. What in the world is going on with that line? Uh, you know, I thought about the same thing because when they played on opening day, that was kind of a surprise. You know, the Buccaneers won that game on the road, right? That game no, was no, no, no. The Buccaneers lost the game. The Saints. Right, won that's what I mean. Both games. The, Ra- the the Saints won that game on the road, and then they smashed them the second time. So you're right. You're thinking, why is it? You know, I, I think it's just recency bias, and they think they can get money on Brady. Oh man! Right. If, if Brady goes in there and beats the Saints in that game. They see a short line, and people will put money on Brady because of the short line. I will be shocked if Brady goes in there and wins that game. I will be shocked. I tell you what, I looked at it seven different ways, uh, and I don't see it happening. It would be a shocker of all shockers. 
that will will ring in my mind on uh, Sunday night while I'm watching that game now. You got to agree with me. I mean, they, they they just have had no answer for that Saints offense. I just they were thinking, the score was thirty one to nothing at halftime the last time they played on November eighth. <laughs> yeah, and it's Todd Bowles distracted thinking about this Eagles job. <laughs> All right, listen, we'll talk next Friday, and, uh, you know, you'd be good. And, again, thanks to Johnny G, and we'll talk soon. All right, Sal Palantonio, ESPN, of course, every Friday right here on the Sports Bash Live on 97.3 ESPN with a Sal Pal Friday. He said something that I actually wrote down because it stood out to me. If you're a head coach, right, going into an interview, he said, you know, when you go in there, it's who's the quarterback. If I'm an owner and someone comes in and asks me that question, I might be turned off. I want him to come in there and go, this is my quarterback. This is what I want to do. They don't know. This is how it's going to go. They don't know. They don't know what? They don't know who the quarterback is. No, I know, but I'm saying if I'm the if I'm the guy who's interviewing for the job, yeah. I'm going in with, I have a vision with this quarterback. This is what yeah, I'm going to do. I see what you're saying, but they don't want to overstep their bounds and lose the job opportunity by telling the owner the way he sees it. Depends who you are. If you're enemy who you know you have 300 options, then it's a different story compared to, let's say, you know, Joe Brady. I've or tried that angle guy. before, and I'm still working here. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't like that, huh? That's the way I would approach it. No, I, I hear what you're saying. All right, we go inside the Sixers. Paul Hudrick coming up on the other side. There's never an off-season for the NFL. It's football at 4, every day at 4 p.m. on the Sports Bet. On 97.3 ESPN. Ah, uh, 3.23, it's Happy Hour Friday. Pete Thompson at 5 o'clock tonight. Flyers and Pens tonight. You know who I feel bad for? Not bad, they're working and everything, but the guys who got to do the ice in the court, they got to put up those, um, you know, it's a pain in the ass enough to do the court to the ice and back and forth constantly. But now they have to put the tarps. They got to change the tarps every night. You know who I feel bad for? Tyrese Maxey. You know how much love he'd be getting right now if that was a packed barn at the Wells Fargo yeah, Center? Yeah, these guys that are not getting the chance to experience, like, that place rocks. Yeah. Tyrese Maxey would be loved, you know? Yeah, I hear you. You know what I, I love? DraftKings. DraftKings is giving all new players the chance to bet on any of this weekend's professional football games at 100-1 to 1 odds. All you have to do is bet $1 on any football game this weekend. If your team wins, you cash $100. Don't forget about the 2021 basketball season. DraftKings has daily odds boost. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 973 when you sign up. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey only gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, inside the Sixers, Paul Hudrick is here as the Sixers uh, win big last night. But there's so many other questions that come off of that win. And obviously, uh, Paul, one of them is Ben Simmons and how he kind of responded and what he said last night. You guys asked him about the fact that, hey, your name was in these trade rumors. It's kind of hard to tell with the mask on because they said, hey, do you want to be here? And he said, of course. And then he kind of laughed, and you can't see his reaction. But uh, how did you feel, um, you know, that Ben took this whole situation? There's some reports that he was ecstatic. Now, some people thought, well, you know, he would come out with brim fire and brimstone last night. That didn't really happen, but he did have a triple-double and had a pretty good game, but it was very Ben Simmons that we saw. So now that the dust has kind of settled on this, how do you feel Ben feels 
about his name being mentioned in trade rumors? I I think it's what I said before. I think he's kind of unaffected. Uh, I give him credit because I'm curious if this if this would have come if this would have came up last year or the year before. I'm not sure if he would have reacted the way he has. He's been uh, he's given a really good professional answer every every time he's and it's been it's been a consistent message every time. It's every time he's asked, he says, "Listen, I'm a professional. I'm going to show up. It's a business. I'm going to do everything I can to help this team win while I'm here." And and that's it. Um, and I think the, the of course, answer and the chuckle, I think it's because genuinely – I think Ben Simmons really enjoys being a Sixer. I really believe that. I think he enjoys the city. I think he – you know, I think he's made a lot of relationships around the team. I think even right now, I think he really is enjoying playing for Doc Rivers. I think he's enjoying learning from Sam Cassell. So I think he is genuinely very happy to be here. Um, but like I said, I, I'm, I'm curious how this would – like I don't think he would have had the same reaction – this happened a year ago or two years ago. I think he's in a different place now. Um, like you said, Mike, you know, the reaction on the court maybe wasn't what some people would have liked. He didn't exactly come out and you know put up you know forty points or something like that. But that's also not Ben Simmons' way. Um, he kind of lets the game come to him, which I understand can aggravate people from time to time. But I thought I thought he was good. I thought it was a bounce back, a pretty decent bounce back performance. I thought defensively he was excellent. Um, guarding Tyler Hero more than guarding, you know, the, the shooters of like Duncan Robinson, and it's a it's definitely a different thing. And Doc Rivers pointed to that pregame yesterday, but I, I thought his response was was mature, professional. I think on the court, I think he didn't he didn't overdo it. I think he he, he played his game. Paul, you look at uh, somebody brought up yesterday on our show that hey, Dennis Rodman was a Hall of Famer. He didn't score a lot of points. Do we? need to just change our expectations of Ben like we were told he was this transformational generational player and that got our expectations so high and because he didn't meet that we now want to get rid of him but can't isn't it better to just change your expectations and still consider him a very useful and great player Mike I swear like (laughs) if I haven't been saying that for the last like three years since I've been covering the guy yeah, I, I think that that's it, – it, I'm reminded of two things, and both of them are from former NBA coaches I've talked to. One was Larry Brown, and he said too many people focus on what guys can't do instead of focusing on what they can do. So there's that. And you bring up Dennis Rodman, and there's another name from that Bulls team that I think is even closer, and that's Scottie Pippen, and that's who Coach Jim Lynham, when I talked to him, compared him to. And if you look at you know the numbers of Scottie Pippen and Ben Simmons, and especially early in – because, listen, yeah, Pippen developed as a scorer as his career went on, but when he first got to the Bulls, he was really similar to Ben Simmons. He was a point-forward type player who played great defense, who, who was disruptive and got steals, and that's the kind of player he was early on. So, I, to me, I, I think that's a great way to look at it, Mike, is let's not focus. I, I get it. It, it's, it can be frustrating at times because you want him to be that transcendent guy. You want him to be that LeBron James or that you know whomever you want to name. But there's only so many of those guys that exist. So it's possible that Ben Simmons could be a great player, but maybe not be that guy that maybe some people want him to be. But that doesn't mean he can't have a great career next to Joel Embiid. 
So just to push back a little bit on the other side, not that I'm disagreeing with any of what you guys say, but um, focusing on what they can't do. Well, it just it seems that one thing that he can't do hurts the spacing so much in half-court sets when the basketball games get so much more meaningful. So I'll ask you this question. I know it's hard to know. It's all speculation. With the spacing of Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris playing this way, do you think Ben's game of finding these wide-open guys can actually work based off of having three-point shooters in half-court sets in postseason play it's it's so early to know because we're so you know we're so early into the season they've had so many disruptions but i i'll say two things one it, it was trending towards that pass uh before covid kind of ravaged teams uh, with seth Curry and, and all that I, I mean it was it certainly looked like that was going to be the case offensively they weren't struggling i mean they, they were they were in pretty good shape and their defense was at the top of the league so when i look at it like that you know, they were trending in a good direction. And I'll say this, too, bros, it, it doesn't hurt um, to, 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 to do that. You know, Daryl Morey, what he keeps focusing is that playoff run uh, when it was, you know, the first time Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid were together and you had all those shooters surrounding them, and you're seeing a similar roster. I would argue a better one uh, as far as uh, of level of players. And then add to that the way Tobias Harris. Look, I, I was really curious to see how Tobias Harris would, would look after his time off, because he looked so good before that, and he didn't miss a beat last night. He looked great. I mean, granted, I, I know Miami is depleted and they don't have the players that they should have, but I still thought he was, you know, decisive, aggressive, and it, it's it, it's like this balance he has found where he lets the game come to him, but he's but he's still taking his opportunities when it does. So I think we're not gonna we're not gonna know for sure until we see it, but it certainly it, it looks good. And then I, I would say too to add to that. This isn't the roster we're going to see, I, I believe, when the playoffs hit. Whether that's a, a big move or whether that's some couple moves around the margins to just make the team better, this isn't the team that the Sixers are going to look like after the trade deadline and heading into the playoffs. So I, I, I'm encouraged, and I want to see it play out more. But like I said, you saw hints that it could work. Uh, so hopefully when, when they're at full strength and Seth Carey's back, it continues to progress. Uh, Paul Hudrick, now, were you there last night? I know you were there Tuesday. Were you there last night? No, so it was Kevin last night. Kevin McCormick. Kevin was there last night. So you were there Tuesday night. Being in the building, is there a different energy in terms of like the game? Like, does it feel like the players are playing at a different level, or is that not noticeable with no fans there? I don't know about the players because the game still feels. I mean, especially for you know, because the media's perspective, just to give you guys an idea. Normally, we're behind the basket. And, you know, amongst the crowd, we're behind the basket. Now, with everything going on, we're on basically on, at half court like on the sidelines. So our perspective is different. And quite frankly, I'll be honest, it's better to, to see the game. You see the game more and you kind of get more of appreciation for the speed and all that and the flow of the game. Uh, so I don't know if it's, it's necessarily affecting the players, but you can – the building just that definitely feels different. It's funny because, Bruce, you mentioned about Tyrese Maxey and how much he would have been loved. The two loudest I've ever heard – the Two moments I've ever heard the Wells Fargo Center the loudest. The game five against Miami when Meek Mill rang the bell. But number two was when Markel Fultz hit a three in the home opener against the Bulls. <laughs> like I'm dead serious. So I could imagine like Saturday if that was a if that arena was packed with you know with only eight with only seven players available and Tyrese Maxey was dropping thirty nine. I imagine that crowd would have would have lost it. It would have been a fever pitch. So. I'm not sure it's affected the players, but you can definitely feel the energy in the arena. It's just it's so different right now. Uh, I want to get your take on 
you, I think it was you, Paul, who asked about the depth of this team last night and where Doc Rivers goes with this team with these last couple games having to use extra guys. Has anyone entered the mix? And how you know he kind of said, "Okay, I'll play 13, 14, 15 guys if I have to." We know that's not realistic. So, where do we see this team's rotation kind of formulating once they get back to full strength, which is happening here pretty soon? Once they get Curry back, yeah, it's and Quirk Mods as well. And it's 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 an interesting dynamic because the reason I asked that question is that Doc was kind of coy about it when we asked him about it during training camp. And Brett Brown was always very transparent. He he wanted like ten guys for the regular season, and then once it got to the playoffs, it was eight or nine. So it, it was interesting to hear Doc basically say, "No, like if guys are playing well, I'll play whoever's playing well." Um, so, so I find that very interesting because a lot of times coaches want to shorten that rotation so that guys can can have roles and can play a certain amount of minutes and kind of and kind of fit in. But I, it's an interesting approach from Doc Rivers. I don't think it's right or wrong. I think it's just up to the coach and how they feel, how comfortable they feel. But I think. You know, Tyrese Maxey, first of all, has to be a part of it, uh, like no doubt. He's got to be a pretty decent, a pretty decent part of it. Because I think he's shown, you know, in the starting lineup last night, it, it was you know him and four other starters, and he did not look out of place remotely. He looked like he fit right in. So I think he's got to have a spot. I've been blown away by Isaiah Joe. I mean, I you know I think it, it's blown away relative to what his circumstances are as a second round pick and a rookie, a twenty one year old to step into the way, the, to the role, the way he has over 40% from three on a healthy amount of attempts over his last four games and not lost defensively. Doc Rivers loaded his defense pregame last night when I asked him about it. And so I, I think, you know, it's, and as Doc said postgame, it's a good problem to have. When you have an issue where you might have too many good players and not enough rotation spots, that's certainly a great problem to have. And I'm, again, I'm curious what it's going to look like as we get closer to the trade deadline in March. And as you mentioned, Mike, when you get Seth Carey back, when you get Furkan Korkmaz back, how is this all going to look at full strength? And, I, again, it, it is a very good problem for the Sixers to have. And that certainly uh, will be a more intriguing watch as well. I mean, it's fun seeing Isaiah Joe. I think they found something there. It's fun seeing some of these guys get some minutes. But you definitely want to see how this roster, and I think that changes our view of Ben Simmons. Having Curry and Green and shooters will change your thought process on what you see from Ben Simmons. And that is something that will evolve over the course of this season. I think he did shoot a three last night. Ben did. Yes, he, he did. did. Corner three. Did it go in? No, it did not. Nope, because it I bet not. it on DraftKings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Paul Hudrick is our Sixers insider for 973ESPN.com. He's at Paul Hudrick on uh, Twitter. His Coming In for a Landing podcast. You can listen to the latest edition. Came out last night. Check that out as well. And he, like all guests, appeared via the Boardwalk Honda Hotline Saturday and Sunday. The Sixers are back. And uh, we'll have coverage on our website, 973ESPN.com. Thanks, Paul. You got it, Mike. All right, that's Inside the Sixers. Here on the Sports Batch, it's brought to you by East Coast Roofing, siding, windows, serving all of South Jersey. If you call, they'll show up. I think they're actually working on our roof right now. Doing a good job. Jeez. God. Hey, we got a show from 2 to 6. You might want to try to do that in the morning. No, Okay, I'll get right on that. Yeah, 3.30 p.m., perfect time. I got a great time to work on the roof above the talk studio. Between 2 and 6, perfect time. Yeah, not all all morning, not a peep. All of a sudden, I got a guy with a drill over my head. Jeez. All right. We'll work through it. We always do. Chad Millman's got the uh, divisional 
round lines on the NFL games next. It's Philadelphia Flyers hockey tonight. Coverage begins at 7 p.m. on 97.3 ESPN and the free mobile app with Tim Saunders. on 97.3 ESPN. All right, 341 on the Sports Bash. You know, uh, we're down to four games. That's it. It starts to get sad. As much as you get excited for the games, you start to realize that's it. And then you go through the minutia of the offseason. Then you're back, right back through the misery again. It's crazy. What also is crazy is this song. Like, I just know from a Swimer on Sundays, I didn't see you as, a, as this kind of guy. What are you talking about? Smith's? What? Smith's. Yeah, I just, when the Schwimer, I, maybe I'm thrown off. Yeah, no, Schwimer's a police guy. Yeah, he's the, then when did I play that song? Oh, I played it for the uh, Pete Thompson show then. Oh, probably. That's what it was, the Pete Thompson show. That, it just went off in my brain like that. That's weird. Yeah, Schwimer's not Smith's guy. No, he's the police guy, always. Every, but every time one. I did the Pete Thompson show, I always had to play that coming into one of the breaks. Yeah, no, Smith's, I'm in. I didn't catch you as that kind of guy. I'm all over the place. Oh, okay. What are you talking about? I got stitch fix. Yeah, you're right. You are all over the place. Got my Stitch Fix box last night. And you're sending it all back. Uh, four of the five items are going back. One of the pair, uh, I like the pair of pants. but they Do they were... wash the clothes when they send it to another person? How does That's this all work? That's a good question because you got to try it on. Right. Yeah, I had a pair of pants that I like, but they were like 100 bucks. I'm not paying 100 bucks for a pair of pants. I know who would, though, because he wins with all the lines that he's going to talk about right now. Chad Millman from the Action Network. He's on the... Boardwalk Honda Hotline. If you got a pair of $100 jeans, you'd keep them because you're constantly picking winners, Chad Millman. I uh, go all in on very expensive clothes. I'm a very stylish guy. Even if I wasn't winning, I'd go all in on expensive clothes. <laughs> I would go poor just to dress nice. <laughs> yes, and especially now. You know, I've been buying so much stuff since March, I cannot tell you. Every day I'm like, what am I going to wear when I walk upstairs? <laughs> All right, let's look. we got four games left. It's sad, but they're four goodies. Uh, Saturday, right here on 97.3 ESPN, Packers-Rams started at 7, 6.5. Hasn't moved much. I like this Rams defense. Might be interested in the total there, but I see 6.5. Hasn't moved all that much. What say you? It hasn't moved much at all, and I'll be honest, like, it's the one game I have very little opinion on. If I, if I like anything, you just mentioned it. Um, I do like the, the total a little bit. Which has dropped considerably. Go, yeah. It went from 47 to 45 and a half. Yeah, and I'd probably go, I'd probably go with the under still. Um, I think there's just, like, A, I don't know what Jared Goff can do with a broken thumb in 20-degree weather. Number one, he wasn't, like, great uh, this past weekend. Number two, that Rams defense, especially the secondary, is historically good. Just historically good, especially against a long ball. So Aaron Rodgers is pretty great at that. He's also pretty great at every other part of the game. But they are really good at the long ball, and that takes away a major weapon from them uh, to sort of move the ball down the field for chunk plays. I assume Aaron Donald is going to play – He'll be, he'll, you know, he'll be effective. And don't forget, like, the Packers don't have David Bakhtiari, and I think that is a really big deal for them. And so I don't like sort of the side in this game, and I am leading <coughs> – excuse me. I am leading towards the under. 
The Bills are at home against the Ravens. Opened up at three. You're pretty much seeing two and a half across the board except for one place bet MGM. Look, the Ravens coming off of an emotional win. Lamar Jackson getting his first playoff win. How do you see this one shaping out? I like the Ravens in this game. I like them at plus three. Uh, it's interesting, you know, I'm looking at ActionNetwork.com right now, and I see 54% of the bets coming in on the Bills, but 52% of the money coming in on the Ravens. That tells you the professionals like the Ravens here. Um, I, I My feeling on the Bills is they're just overvalued, and there's too much sort of air in that balloon. And if you look at this past weekend, there's three or four – plays from being overturned and probably losing that game. And like the Ravens, there was no flukiness to their win. They absolutely dominated, 100% dominated uh, the Tennessee Titans. So I'm going to be on the Ravens. Chad Millman, the Action Network. It's a great place to go to get all odds, NFL, NBA, college basketball, everything in one spot and you can check out what every app has for you so the DraftKings, mgm fanduel points bet they uh and others they lay every odd on every app so you can go to your app whatever the best line is and on sunday the best line right now it's everywhere 10 there is no best line it's 10 on the chiefs open at nine and a half it's up to 10 the over under though has moved 55 it started it's up to 57 and a half at some spots but I don't know, double-digit playoff favorite in the divisional round. Look, I will tell you, it is not a pretty sight to bet on double-digit favorites in a divisional round. I think since 2003, the underdogs are 39-27-1. That said, fellas, and I'll, I'll tell you, I'm on the opposite side of professionals here. You tend to like the Browns. Give me the Chiefs. Um, I think they match up well. Like, forget about the Browns and their running game against a really bad Chiefs rushing defense. I I cannot go against the best quarterback in the world with a coach who is so dominant off of a bye and having had two weeks to get healthy against a team that everybody is piling in on because of what happened on Sunday night. Like, I am I am fading public perception, and I'm going with the healthier, more talented team with a more experienced coach who has proven he does it off of a bye. Yeah, that Chiefs uh, 10. Now, they have not been a big blowout team, as we've chronicled a lot uh, during our conversations this year. Like they ha- It's like, is now the time they step on the gas and just blow somebody out? I don't know that it's possible to do that, like just to decide, okay, now we're going to try. Um, but I do like the Chiefs at minus 10 here, because more because of the reasons I just mentioned. Yeah. Like I think they come out with a strong game plan. I think it's hard to sort of... To, to bet on a team that just played so well in such a public perception moment. Um, so I'm going to back the Chiefs. All right. So all the books agree on Bucks Saints, according to Action Network. All the books have plus three. Tampa Bay getting three. Opened at three and a half. It's only dropped a half a point, but it's three. Every book that we can find started at 50 and a half. It's 52 some places. 51 and a half others. So this thing has not moved all that much. But some would say, why? The Saints won both games. The last time they won, what, 38-3. So why is this game just a field goal with the Saints at home? Uh, I think it's got a lot to do with how good the Bucks defense has been. It's got a lot to do with how much better Tom Brady has been over the past, say, six, seven, eight weeks of the year throwing the ball downfield. And it's got a lot to do with Drew Brees 
and his inability to throw the ball downfield and the ways the Bucks defense has sort of uh, wrapped up Alvin Kamara literally and figuratively when they've played, even though the Bucks have lost those games. Um, so that's why the money has come in on the Bucks, And it's staying right where it is because that three is such a key number, it's going to take a load, a load of money to get that number off of the three. All right, Chad Millman, Action Network, your favorite play of the weekend. Sounds like Ravens, but I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, you nailed it. Like, uh, I knew you were going to ask me that, and I'm thinking, and I'm thinking Ravens. I like uh, I like the matchup here. I think the Bills are the right side. I think they'll win, but I do like the Ravens at plus three. I think, um, you know, it's it's too much public perception in the direction of the Bills. All right, there you go. Uh, that game and all the games are right here on 97.3 ESPN. If you're going to bet them, find the best odds with the Action Network. Go to actionnetwork.com. Chad Millman. Uh, is, of course, the uh, guest right here on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline, as he is each Friday to get you ready for the weekend. Four games, go play them, have some fun, bet responsibly. Chad, enjoy the games. Thanks, fellas. See ya. All right, he'll be back next week with the championship round. We're at the championship round next weekend. Oh, my gosh. My birthday. They're all the games are on my birthday. See, the Eagles could have been playing on my birthday. Wow. They let me down they this did. year. Well, you get a Conor McGregor fight, no? It's interesting because the Conor McGregor fight, it's technically Saturday is when the card starts. But by the time McGregor gets on, you know, on the tube, it'll probably be my birthday. I would say it will be. Are you excited for that? Oh, wait. No, never mind. This weekend's the one that they're doing at 3 in the afternoon, correct? Yeah, that one's the, tomorrow. The following weekend is the one that they're going to place yep. at nighttime once again. Okay. Correct. So, are you excited for the McGregor fight? Yeah. Yeah? Yep. Have you really been involved in the UFC or kind of been taking a step back since? I haven't watched a fight in a while because there's just so much else going on. But uh, I watched one maybe two, two months ago, I guess. Yeah, it's this been a little. As time. much as I became slowed down a little season, bit. Yeah, I, I slowed down a bit. The whole thing did. The whole product yeah. did. So that's probably why. But, but I mean, you know, unfortunately with the COVID, I probably, um, you know, I'd like that's the kind of thing I'd like to go out someplace and check out. But probably have to just do it at the comfort of my own home. Nothing wrong with that. You got a nice porch. Yeah, well, I'm hoping to get that porch uh, all enclosed and everything this weekend. Wow. Got the vinyl is in. That finally came in the mail. Wow, you can wear maybe a beat-up gray hoodie with some paint on it to hook that thing up. <laughs> well, we got it mailed to us. We got it shipped to us. Uh, it's, you know, the whole porch, all vinyl. It's going to be like marine vinyled in steel, so that the heat can't get out. Steel-toed boots? <laughs> Don't want to drop anything on that feet. Go to Lowe's, pick up a piece you need. That's a good idea. Yeah. Yeah, I do need a steel toe. (laughs) Reinforcement of the toe. Um, I want to read this for you. You might get excited. Ready? Yeah. Due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the Flyers hosted their season opener without fans. But it was still played in front of a record-breaking audience. It is the most-watched NHL regular season game ever. 972,000 viewers watched the opening night contest between the Flyers and the Penguins. They were also the number seven trend in the United States. Hashtag anytime, anywhere. Forward Joel Farabee was number 18, and Gritty was the number 20 overall trend in the country. Overall, the organization's main Twitter account, at NHL Flyers, garnered 10 million over 10 million impressions and owned the number one and the number six post among all NHL posts on Instagram. Wow. Now, I didn't know about the TV rating side of things. I saw that going around. But all the other information is pretty interesting. Why do you think that was? Because it was the only game on first game of the year. But even then, 
it's hockey, and it's not normally accustomed to getting that much love. So it's I don't I don't know what the correlation is, honestly. Do, do you, does anything I'm stick trying out to, to you? come up with some clever reason as to why all of a sudden, like, it's not like they made some big acquisition in the offseason that has you ready to go and excited, I want to see this guy on the ice. It was the first game of the NHL season. Is that moving the needle for that many people? I mean, it was 5.30, too, so it was an unconventional time. But everyone's home because of COVID. Not everyone, but there's a lot of people working from home. Like, how much does that play a role? Yeah, I mean... I don't know. It's it's. I don't feel like the excitement levels off the charts. No. Now that's a U. That's U.S. people tuning in. Is that? Yeah. Okay. Because I was going to say. Like, now the question is, that is everyone. Um. We got Philly and Pittsburgh, but eh, still. Yeah, that's strange. It's it's kind of blowing it is, my but mind. But keep in mind, again, five thirty. There's no other sporting event on at that time. Right. What are you competing with if you're a sports fan? Right. You're up against, like, cable news. Exactly. So maybe people are so cable newsed out they went to a hockey game. <laughs> but it's Right. My point is it's still hockey, so it's crazy. But that goes back to something I mentioned to you yesterday. The fact that the Flyers did that was great because if they laid an egg, 3 nothing, typical Flyers, you don't get that juice for tonight's game. Now I think people are a little more excited. Let me throw the Fly guys on tonight. I saw them kick ass last night or two nights ago, whatever that game was. Let's see it again tonight. So you think they're going to go over 972? No, that <laughs> game was a national game. No, I don't think they're going to go over. I don't think That's so. That's a national game. But people are going to be more excited for the Flyers tonight because of what you saw in Game 1. Yeah, I heard 972,000 also listened to the game on 97.3 ESPN. Yes, as they should have. 5.30 was the puck drop. Tonight it's at 7 o'clock. You can hear Kevin Durso has a preview of the Flyers and the Penguins tonight with Josh during game night. That's at 6.20 right here on 97.3 ESPN. Don't forget, you can watch the Sports Bash live if you have Facebook, you can check us out. Go to our website, 973ESPN.com, and uh, you'll see the link to watch the show live. Go to Facebook.com slash 973ESPNFM. You can follow us on Twitter. If you have the free mobile app, you can watch us on your phone, and you can see the show live on Facebook. Yep. Wow, you changed the colors to orange on the Facebook stream just for the Fly Guys. We are talking Flyers. Wow, you just flipped the colors around, huh? Just like that. Wow. The conversation changes, so too do the colors. All right, when we come back, it's football at four. Adam Kaplan, you are not going to miss what he has to say.